Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bienvenidos, señoras y señores, to another episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast. This episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting, and your favorite casino and card games are available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And joining us on the Carne Asada for the very first time is the Dodgers shortstop, Miguel Rojas. I say he's the Dodgers shortstop because he's the guy who's been playing shortstop the most for the Dodgers. Uh, Miguel, ¿cómo estás? Todo bien, todo bien. Gracias por, por tenerme aquí. It's a pleasure to, to say hi to all the fans out there and have the opportunity to, to be on the show. Miguel, I, I wanted to start off first with that because things for you at the beginning of the year changed, right? When you signed with the Dodgers, did they tell you the plan was that Gavin Lux was going to play shortstop and that, that you would play either backup or you'd play a, a multiple other positions? Or how did that change from what the Dodgers initially told you and then when Gavin Lux got hurt in spring training? Yeah, that was in the initial plan when when they when they trade for me. Uh, uh, Andrew Freeman, before even the trade was down, he called me and he asked me if I'm okay moving to a different role in my career. You know, uh, I was gonna I was gonna sign an extension with the team uh, to be the the utility guy. You know, uh, they were ready to give that opportunity to Gavin Lux to play short every day and and to Miguel Vargas to play second base every single day. And I feel like um, they they wanted to have a, a guy behind them that can play the positions, you know, like just in case something like that happened. And I mean, unfortunately for Gavin and for the organization, because uh, I mean, we would love to have Gavin right now in our roster. Um, he went down, you know, in spring training. And that's when the, the doors open for me to play every day at shortstop, something that I've been doing for, for the last five years of my career. Um, I knew I did it in Miami. But I just wanted to do it here, you know, and prove prove myself that I can play for a team that is going to be a winner uh, and, and it's, uh, it's going to fight for the World Series. Uh, and playing shortstop in this environment is one of the, the best things that I ever, ever happened in my career. Playing shortstop for a full 162-game season is is a pretty tall order. So Gavin Lux gets gets hurt, and then you're told, hey, you're going to be playing shortstop now. Do you change how you prepared in that season? Do you go, okay, I got to change my regime now because I'm going to be at the sixth spot for a lot this summer? No, uh, to be honest with you, every, the preparation is starting the, in the offseason. You know, uh, I always prepare to play 162 games regardless of what my role is going to be. I think that's the best way to go into the into the offseason, thinking that 
you gotta you gotta be ready you know to play every single day regardless of what your role is you know if you're coming off the bench you're still gonna play in that game you know if you've been cheating your preparation is the same so uh for me it was a matter of uh just uh, know that I was going to play short a little bit more. Uh, now I'm 34 years old. You know, you're not finding a lot of 34 years old playing 150 plus games in the big leagues. You're, you're seeing all, all these uh, shortstops that are playing a lot of games. They play um, there on their like early 30s or even younger than that, you know. And I feel like that's uh, that's one of the things that I've been uh, that I've been so proud of my of myself that uh, that I am able to do that and. Um, I'm happy that I received the opportunity and nothing changed. I just, uh, I was just ready to play. So Dave Roberts has told us a lot and we hear this from other players that there's really good chemistry on this team that you guys really, really like each other. And it, and it seems like it's obvious when we see you guys play on the team. I mean, you guys look like you guys are having a lot of fun, but I feel like you interact kind of like with everybody. Um, it has that has that just your personality te gusta convivir con todos you you just like to be like the ultimate host uh that's 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 how i approach my kind of my my role in the team you know uh, i grew up uh, uh next to a lot of players that they were like uh, really good leaders you know like i grew up uh playing next to uh, adrian gonzalez i grew up playing uh next to martin prado and, and guys like them kind of taught me how to be a, a complete leader in the clubhouse, not just on the field, but off the field as well. You know, like maybe we all know that we have our, our core of players. We got our superstars, you know, we got our Freddie Freemans, we got our Mookie Betts, we got our uh, Clayton Kershaw, we got our uh, Will Smith and all those guys. But you you need more than that when you're playing a full season uh, to, to, to make a team, you know, and I feel like, when they acquired me, they weren't just acquiring a shortstop. They were acquiring the, the whole package that Miguel Rojas has been developing throughout all these years that you might, you guys might not know until this year when I got here. And my production is go beyond just like the offensive number or the defensive number. I like to take responsibility on being a leader in the clubhouse, you know, like keeping everybody loose, trying to trying to keep everybody on the on that good vibe that it's going to take us to the next level because this team is talented enough to play baseball. But it's in our disposal if we want to have, like, something that we want to remember forever. And that's what, you know, like, my personality and what I'm trying to do off the field, um, on, on the field as well, when I talk to the pitchers, when I talk to my teammates, when I'm trying to make everybody else better, I think that's what, what you're getting from Miguel Rojas that a lot of people didn't know before. I, I loved last night's game uh, and in that ninth inning when Evan Phillips was uh, he was having a little bit of a rough time there and they had a mound visit. So when you come in from shortstop, what are you telling that pitcher that's going to help him finish off that inning? Yeah, a majority of the times it's like, uh, you know, when you're a pitcher and you're standing there in the middle of the line in the middle of the la- diamond uh, with not like so much help uh, right there with you you probably feel alone, you know, and you feel like you have to take a, take control of the situation and strike out everybody and get out of the gym by yourself. And I feel like more of the times I, I just say, hey, we're here behind you, you know, let them hit the ball. Your stuff is really good. Trying to give me a little bit more of confidence that, that probably they lost it on the moment just because of the situation. 
and let them know that we're behind them and we're going to be there for them if they need a if they need a ground ball you know we just turn a double play to to end the game and i think that's the best uh best advice or the best message that you can uh, send across Miguel, you guys got uh, some new teammates from the trade acquisition, and it really seems like you guys are hitting on all cylinders right now. You guys got uh, Amer Rosario. You guys got Kike. To me, it's no coincidence. The team is playing better the minute they started adding Latinos to the, to the roster. I mean, this is a show. We are all Latinos here on there. But when you have guys like that, they always say that, you know, the Latinos bring that kind of energy to that to, to a team. Is, is it true in saying it's it's infectious? Like when new guys like Ahmed Rosario and, and Kike come to the team and they already feel comfortable just being themselves, is that just a product of who they are? Or it's the, you guys as a team welcoming those guys in? Well, uh, kudos to the organization that have been doing a great job adding the right pieces uh, that, that we need, you know. Uh, I think... Uh, uh, that's that's it. That's the top of the line, you know. When you know you have an organization that are in line with the what what's going on in the clubhouse and with the players, I think it's a, it's so much better playing that way. Uh, and in Los Angeles, we know we have a, a Latin community, you know, like we have a lot of Latin people that love uh, Kike Hernandez from his time here. Uh, and getting a player like him that is like completely unselfish, you know, like you know he's gonna come here, he's gonna play all over the diamond, he's gonna he's gonna be doing what what he's been doing so far, you know. Uh, and Ame Rosario has been playing shortstop for his team the whole year, and he's moving to second base and he's adjusting, he's uh, working really hard in the in the pregame to be a really good second baseman, and that's that's how you uh that, that's how you keep winning, you know. Uh, adding those pieces, they know what they come here for, and everything started with the with the front office, you know. Like management of this team is uh is, is true to the players. They always tell them what what the expectations are, and I feel like that's why everybody kind of uh, bring the best of them uh, when when they have the opportunity. Um, I want to be respectful of your time, so I want to wrap up uh, the series, uh, this interview with a series of uh, rapid fire questions that we do on this show. On this show, we're all about the Doyers, we're about Los Angeles, but we're about la cultura. Uh, you had looked very comfortable at the plate as of late. You look like you are very comfortable and you're swinging away. You hit that home run, which was your first home run of the series of right. the season. And to me, there's a there's a term that we nosotros los mexicanos usamos que es te vamos a quemar la garra. And they were doing that a little bit to you in the dugout oh, in the fact that they gave you the, sal the silent treatment. But I remember you saying after the game that you didn't care, that you were going to celebrate. You knew they were going to do something. How was that experience walking into that dugout going, I don't care what you guys do to me. I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah, the, the thing is, like, I'm one of the first ones that give people a tough time when, when situations like that happen. You know, I'm the prankster kind of on the team and I have to take it if they if they're going to give something to me and they're going to give me the silent treatment and all that I need to be prepared for that and I kind of I mean it was it was genuine that, that I start dancing because uh, we have this our, our dancing celebration when we get to second base and we, we when we hit homers uh in the dugout so I I, I said you know what I'm going to start dancing right here they're going to have to they're going to have to join me 
and uh, celebrate with me. So uh, I, I just start doing it. I remember dogs say something like, look at your teammates, look at what they're doing to you. And I say, I don't care. I'm just going to start dancing. They're going to have to join. So uh, it was fun, man. Uh, I, I've been waiting so like so much for that moment uh, to hit my first homer. Uh, I understand having been a, a really good season offensively for me, but uh, um, I can look at the past, you know, like bad average and everything that happens in the past already happened. So I'm looking forward to uh, this last couple months of the season and, and the playoffs. So I'm, I'm pretty positive that uh, things are going to start changing for me. Uh, Miguel, you mentioned you're the prankster on the team, but there's those people that they love to dish it out, but they can't take it. Are there anybody on that clubhouse that loves to dish it out but can't take it? Are there people that you stay away from that you go, no, nah, I'm not going to mess with him because he doesn't know how to take a joke? Yeah, I feel I feel like there's 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 people like that when you when you're in an in, in an environment where you're every single day you're like like next to 30 other people, you know, like not everybody's going to be on the same mood. Uh, not everybody's going to be like ready to take a joke or something like that. So you you started like to understand the the, the room and and the situations, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I think everybody in those team is is pretty like pretty easy going, you know. But you have to respect some boundaries sometimes. And I, I feel like um, I'm not gonna say that I'm gonna stay away from people, but I gonna I gonna learn them first before uh -huh. I do something. So um, I I think I, I just trying to be respectful, but at the same time, it's my personality, and they gonna understand that it's nothing personal. So you mentioned the dance celebration. I need you to clarify something for me because I see some of the guys on the team doing it and it's just their arms. To me, las caderas need to be involved, right, Miguel? It's like, not only is it the, los brazos, but tienes que mover las caderas, right, when you're doing the dance celebration. I mean, I feel Mookie does it, but I don't yeah. see the commitment on everyone else's part. Well, the thing is, like, you can really ask for a guy that don't that don't really know how to dance to, to, move, the, <laughs> to move the hips, you know? Uh, we've been making fun of, uh, well, James Alman has been bad. And Will Smith, Will Smith looks like uh, like he's going to a in a different direction. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I feel like, I mean, everybody's trying to do the best impression of uh, this video that he was on social media from Freddie Freeman on the gala. And that's uh -huh. how the celebration started, you know, because Freddie, Freddie got his up. Well, you, we, we all know Freddie's a six <laughs> five, tall guy, you know, with his hands in the air on the gala, having having fun. And some someone recorded that dance, and I feel like it was a uh, it was pretty funny. And the dance actually doesn't have like that much uh, hips into it. It's more arms, and I mean, I'm not gonna go away from the from the hips because uh, that's kind of my <laughs> my my little input in it. But uh, I mean. Freddie was like all arms up there. <laughs> so you mentioned the gala, and we we saw you on the blue carpet. You're a bit of a fashionista, right? Like fashion is important to you. I, I saw you walking down the blue carpet shirtless. I mean, you were showing the chest, Miguel. I did, I did, yeah. I, I, I like shoes a lot, but uh, when it comes to fashion, uh, sometimes I like to be different, you know? Uh, I, I I feel like... That's one of the things uh, that my I, I expose my personality that way. You you're gonna see it on the field. I always like wear like different color shoes, uh, um, batting glove, different color batting glove, and I, I try to like keep it that way, you know. And that's that's kind of my personality, and that's how I I, I actually express it. Um, but yeah, we have we have a lot of fun on the on the fashion gala, and I mean that's another another night that kind of takes over and roll over into the whole season that that we've been having. 
that everybody was there having a good time when they saw me shirtless it was like <laughs> it was funny and we we talked about that for like a, a full week do you guys need nights like that over a long season like this oh definitely uh we we get together almost almost every time that we we hit the road we get together as a team once a once a road trip and we go for a team dinner uh we we have like a big table together we always like um and and having like a nice dinner but other than that we talk about something else not not involve baseball and i feel like that way we can actually like keep our minds away from the game but we still like bonding together and that's why all these celebration starts you know because uh we spend time together off the field and then that way we can bring it into the field and it's it's pretty fun is it is that common like on every team that you played on is it do you guys bond like this or is this team just different it's special what's going on right now it's different uh definitely uh for me i've been i've been uh in two organizations my whole career but uh um you always try you know you're always trying to do it but uh, sometimes it feels like it feels pushy because mm -hmm. not everybody's on board but right here in this team what i'm seeing is i'm not gonna say that it's uh that is something that no one ever has like done before. But I feel like it's uh, everybody is on board, you know, like everybody wants to be part of these team dinners. Everybody wants to hang out together, uh, not just on the field, but off the field. So uh, I feel like the connection coming from everybody wants to be part of it. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know how other teams are, are, are doing it, but I feel like our connection is kind of it's kind of like unique because everybody wants to be part of it. Okay, two more, uh, and then we'll let you go, Miguel. Uh, one, I, I saw an interview at the beginning of the season that you are a big fan of micheladas. Uh, yeah. Is there anything, uh, the equivalent in Venezuela, uh, to a michelada? And where did your love of micheladas come from? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, no, not, nothing nothing even close uh, uh, that the, the, I can relate to micheladas from Venezuela. My love for Michelada started when uh, when I played for the Dodgers in 2014. Adrian Gonzalez was on the team, and we were on the on a team flight, and uh, he made the flight attendants make a Michelada for him. And I wanted, I wanted, like I was like curious of how it tastes, you know, the the tomato juice, uh, because I like the I like the stuff that they put in the Michelada, the tahini, the the lime, the tomato juice. And as soon as I tried it with Adrian that day, it became kind of my my favorite drink. I don't drink it every single time because it's a, a, a lot of a lot of calories in it. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely when I when I need, especially right now that it's really hot everywhere that we go. I mean, if we go to a place that uh, they have the Michelada, I will I will have one after the game. Uh, last one for you, Miguel. Uh, being that you are in Los Angeles and uh, us Mexicanos nos encantan los tacos, we need to know what is your favorite taco and where do you go to get that taco uh, here in Los Angeles. Well, the taco trucks are always my favorite. You know, I always go to the street and I stop. If I if I see a taco truck somewhere, um, if, if it's late after the game or something like that and I, I haven't eaten anything, I just go to the taco trucks, uh, whatever they are, and they always have good stuff. And my favorite is the carne asada tacos. Um, not too much on it. I just like salsa on top. And I always have like four or five carne asada tacos. Uh, um from the truck. So uh, that's, that's my favorite right there. All right. So when you guys win the division this year, uh, Miguel, we're going to bring you some micheladas and uh, hacemos una taquiza ahí for you guys to celebrate. 
I love it. I love it. That's a, that's a deal. We want to thank Miguel Rojas. Thank you very much for joining us. Good luck the rest of the season, Miguel. You're killing it. Gracias a toda la fanaticada latina también por apoyo y nos estamos viendo en el Dodger Stadium. And a big thank you once again to the Dodgers shortstop, Miguel Rojas, for joining us on the show. Uh, and now, uh, we, we uh, of course, you guys have seen La Reina de Playa Larga. She's almost like a regular now. Amy Cuevas is joining us. But our, our friend, the boatman, Jason Barquero, we haven't seen in a while. So I, I want to get an update from the boatman. Uh, Bowman, while you were gone, there was a lot of slander on your favorite player of all time, Austin Barnes. So I want to give you the floor so you can defend Austin Barnes, because let me tell you, the Dodgers had lost 10 Sundays in a row and Austin Barnes played on Sunday and everybody thought, oh, here comes another loss. But the Dodgers won on Sunday and I believe it was because of Austin Barnes. So, sir, you have the floor. I was also there Sunday, so I believe that's why they won. But anyway, <laughs> thanks for having me on, guys. I will say this about Austin Barnes. Look, the fact that, as Lasorda would say, the guy couldn't hit water if he fell over a boat. That won't change for the poor soul. But I will give him credit here, and I've come around a, a tiny bit. I don't know if Will Smith – I think Will Smith just looks tired. I think he's looked tired these last couple of weeks. Um, but one thing I've noticed, and a lot of folks have talked about this, and I never gave him credit for it, so I'm finally going to give him credit for the first time publicly, and not just privately. I do believe Austin Barnes does catch a slightly better game than um, than Will Smith. I do think he's a slightly better catcher in some ways, defensively, than Will Smith. Um, I, I don't know if it's just this season or what. I've, I've seen something between the two, um, the difference. I'm starting to see why certain pitchers – may want Austin Barnes, like Kershaw, um, to be his private catcher. Um, so there you go. I'll give him a little – I think defensively he's solid, but, you know, they got to give the guy a tennis racket for him to hit the ball. Damn, look at the boatman coming in throwing sliders and throwing cutters. You, it's you know, the yeah, he may have missed a couple of starts, but look at it. Yeah, because <laughs> you are, you're saying everything, boatman, that I've been hearing the exact opposite. Uh, on on social media and social media like whenever Urias had a bad start it was Barnes's fault like everybody was bending over backwards to try to bend the numbers and be like our pitcher's yeah. ERA sucks when Austin Barnes is behind the plate but I was coming around to this argument and I'm curious Boatman you know when you you mentioned Will Smith looking a little bit tired I know Dave Roberts had said that he thinks it's a mechanical issue with Will Smith in terms of his swing. But for the longest time, I was in here defending Austin Barnes saying, hey, guys, he's the backup catcher. He plays once a week. How can you uh, is he really that instrumental in the Dodgers winning streak? But then I started thinking, is it because he's only playing once a week and you can't give Will Smith sure. more time off? Is that what's affecting Will Smith? So are, are you seeing that, Boatman? Yeah, absolutely. I think they need to bring up, and I'm, I'm, the name is escaping me right now, but the young gentleman down in, in the minors um, helped me out here. Um, Rushing or Hunter Fiducia? I Probably Fiducia. I, I believe it's Fiducia. I, yeah, because I know there's a lot of people that were clamoring for Fiducia because he has decent numbers down in AAA. But yeah, I, 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 go ahead. 
I'd like to see him up here pretty soon in September 1st, if nothing else, at least to give. If the Dodgers are beginning to put some distance between themselves and everyone else, I think it would be okay to give Smith some rest, not just giving Barnes some more reps, bringing up Fiducia and let him um, get some starts to give Will Smith a, a rest. I mean, these catchers take a beating, and, and you can just see it in Will a little bit, not just at the plate, but also uh, when he's catching. You, you see it just a, a step behind from what I'm, we're used to seeing. Um, but, yeah, when you're a backup catcher, I mean, your legs are obviously going to be a lot more fresh, and I think that's what we'll see in Austin Barnes. Having said that, though, I will say I still think because that doesn't tire out. I think your ability to call a game, I do think Barnes sometimes does call a little bit better game than Will Smith. Um, but that's not, neither here nor there right now. We're talking about Smith at the plate. And overall, I think he needs some more rest. He's played a lot of games for a, uh, for a starting catcher. Um, and we're getting down into uh, mid-August. So I'd hate to see the guy just get torn apart before the playoffs even start. So uh, let, let's start with the show pods and, and the Dodger series. Uh, Boatman, you were down there on Sunday. I wish it, I would have known you were there because I was there on Sunday. Uh, oh, is that right? Oh, okay. I was up in the press box on Sunday. But I, talk to me first about the environment. All, all right. Before we go into about the environment, I will let Babyface, you know, have his moment. Let him parade because I'm going to take the L on this one. I'm going to start the show by saying... I'm taking the L. I was the dumbass who said that the show pods were going to take three out of four. I was the one that fell for it. And I got to tell you, I totally understand now why Born and Azari is the way he is. If I was a fan of the show pods, I'd be super frustrated. I, it'd be a roller coaster. I mean, to have that much talent and to have them lay an egg the way they did against the Dodgers. I, I don't know if this says more about the show pods or if it says more about the Dodgers. I mean, I know I I don't seem to give the Dodgers enough credit, but babyface, this is about you. This is your moment of glory. Go ahead and gloat about how the Dodgers should have swept the show pods. It was just one bad inning this weekend, and the Dodgers would have swept the show pods. Yeah, it was just one bad inning. Um and I knew once that first game, right, you Darvish, you know, tough matchup, right, for them, and, and they ended up winning that game. Second game, Blake Snell, another tough matchup. But that was Blake Snell's worst game, I think, in, what, like a month or something like that. And, you know, they had a high pitch count on him. He was out, like, what, the fourth inning or something like that. And then the next two games, I knew those games should be easy ones for the Dodgers. Um, but one thing that I keep thinking about, like, like when we talk about the Padres, like all that talent, right? All that talent, and they can't seem to put it together. And we've talked about this before. It's kind of like the Eagles, right? Not not the not the flying Eagles, but like the the eagle, right? The eagle of, of each player. And I think that is very tough for Bob. Oh, Melvin. you're saying ego? Okay, ego. Yeah, not not okay. not Eagles. I, I, I'm yeah. hearing Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles over here. Man, that, my bad. Go ahead. I, I think that is very tough for Bob Melvin to manage, and he doesn't know how to manage a Manny Machado, a, a Sander Bogarts, or Juan Soto, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. All those guys have huge, huge Eagles, right? And when you look at, like, when you think of those guys, do you think any of those guys are, like, compared to, like, a Mookie Betts, a Freddie Freeman, do they do they even rank in the same in the same place as far as their personality? How do you think it's team first for those guys compared to like Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman? Do you ever hear those guys like 
I don't know, talking about your thought about the team, maybe like how the Dodgers do. They did that in-game. They did the in-game interview, I think, during the ESPN game where they, you know, you had Freddie and um, Mookie sitting next to each other and they're both rooting each other on. They both want them to have great Hall of Fame careers and everything they do is team first. I don't see that in the in the Padres clubhouse. I mean, I'm not there, but I, you see that in ours. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't see that with the Padres. I think those guys are me first, right? Juan Soto's playing for a huge contract coming up, right? You know, Tatis got one already. Machado got one already. We and we know those guys. We know they, those guys don't mix that well. We've seen it before. And I think, like I said, I think that, like you know, I think people just think like, hey, let's get this guy. He's a star. Let's get this guy. He's a star. Let's get this guy. He's a star. Let's put them together, and we're gonna win. But as we're seeing, it's not that easy. And and you know, and I think Dave Roberts has done this over continuous seasons. You know, he may have stars on this team, but they all buy into the same thing, and and. And I think that's what works with the Dodgers. Reina, do you, so you agree then with Babyface that uh, the Chopins are just all in it for themselves. It's it's there's no I in team except if you're the Chopins. I think they could probably learn a thing or two from our clubhouse, um, not being in theirs and not seeing the actual dynamic. It doesn't seem like they have the cohesiveness that we do, and. Also, since we're giving Babyface his his credit, he did go with two and two on the split for San Diego, but he did have his ghost pick of maybe three and one, so he gets half an imaginary point. Yeah, don't hold, don't humor <laughs> him on this bullshit of his. It's half and his, of an imaginary I, point that when, when we were talking his revision when, when, is when, when like, we were talking oh, in my Borna, head. It's like he's fucking Donald no, Trump over here. Oh, it wasn't. I, I, it wasn't <laughs> When we're talking to you know what I take it back. No, when we were talking to Borna, when we were talking to Borna, I said three out of four. And later when we did our picks, I said I just went safe there. But when we're talking to actually Borna, I said three out of four. Unbelievable! I can't believe you guys let him get away with this shit. (laughs) It's it's such bullshit. Boatman, do you agree with this? I mean, do you see that? I mean, are the show pods? Is that what the problem is? Is it their egos? First of all, I'm going to give them the same credit that I gave Noah Syndergaard. They suck. Look, the, the, Juan remembers that episode. So, look, here's the deal. The, the team, you're absolutely right, though. They can't put it together. Bob Melvin needs to go. He's going to go. If I'm the owner, I'm, I mean, I'm, and I like, and I actually thought Bob Melvin was going to be a good fit for this Padres uh, ball club um, until Bruce Bochy became available last offseason and i remember looking at a friend and saying if i'm san diego i'm doing everything i can screw bob melvin i'm signing imagine the story that would have been to a, a, a homecoming for bochi i think the last guy that took him to the world series if i'm correct 98 whatever yeah. that year was right not to mention what he did with with the giants but to bring him back to san diego with this much talent and look what he's doing down in texas now texas is a very talented ball club um but to exactly what Roger said, and I couldn't agree with him more. Yes, it, it's it's how do you manage superstars? It's what Joe Torre was very good at, right? And that's what we saw him do. He wasn't this magician at baseball, but he was great with egos at the Yankees. He was great with the Manny Ramirez's, and let's remember that group that we had, right? And and got them as far as they probably could. And there's coaches that do that. Dave Roberts, for all the, the things that I'll say and a lot of folks will say, you know, I don't think he's the greatest in-game manager, especially not in the postseason. But I do think what he does really well, and I'll be very, very serious here, is exactly that. I think he knows how to manage players. He's a he's a he's a players coach. He knows how to manage egos. He, he has great relationships with these guys. And he 
probably puts around, surrounds himself with great uh, other baseball minds and they make for a good team. So I think when you put all that together, I think that's what you're seeing in that cohesiveness that we're noticing. Um, but yeah, look, Manny Machado is who he is. We knew who he was. There's a reason why he's not a Dodger and we're seeing it now down South. That's, that's just an egomaniac. Um, not a guy I would want to have a beer with, maybe somebody else, but not my cup of tea. Juan Soto, ah, you know, he's doing his thing. I just, they're, you're right. They're not, they're not gelling. I think I agree with that. What everyone has said, they're not gelling. The pitching is no good though. Let's call that. That's, that's been a little bit of a disaster for them as well. They can't seem to put hit a string of hits together. Um, Tatis does not look comfortable. He does not look comfortable. Now, nobody looks good when they're struggling. I get that, but he, he hasn't looked comfortable since he's come back. Something's going on there. Uh, yeah, this is definitely not the Padre team that was, you know, with, with their rims, their car rims hanging down on their <laughs> <laughs> down their neck or whatever and all that stuff. No, I mean, uh, I'm loving it. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad it gives them a, uh, you know, humble pie and, and they deserve it. And and look, here I am. I remember when I was on this show, guys, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll move on. But I'll make this last point. I did not think the Dodgers would be sitting where they are right now. Um, and here they are. And they have overachieved. It's the first time I can say, in my opinion, in many, many years, maybe in a decade, that I think the Dodgers have actually, or over a decade, that they have actually overachieved um, some expectations, and I think a lot of folks' expectations um, of where they're at right now as we're sitting here on October, um, August 9th. And uh, the Giants have been the surprise, but um, they're hanging in there. But, yeah, no, the Padres, there's a lot of issues there. I think we're going to see them implode here uh, in the offseason. I will not go as far as to say that they have an ego problem. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I watch the show pods every day and that I know enough uh, on that team to, to, to say that it's an ego problem from what Borna told us, those guys just don't win close games. And that's the difference. And if you look at that series, Monday was a very close game. It took their bullpen having a meltdown Saturday and Friday's games. You could reverse them very easily. The Dodgers bullpen had a meltdown the same way that the show pods had a meltdown on Friday. Now, Saturday, unfortunately, Dick Mountain, we all love Dick Mountain, but Dick Mountain is 158 years old and he's out on the mound. If the Dodgers didn't, you know, you know, wail on him the way they did, then you'd probably be sitting there. What the hell's going on with the Dodgers? And then on Monday, the Seth Lugo thing, I want, I want to transition into this because after the game Seth Lugo had said, and, and, and stop me if you've heard this one before, because I feel like this is something the Dodgers have to deal with a lot. Seth Lugo said, well, they, he got asked, did it feel like they knew what was coming? And Seth Lugo had said yes. So it turns out Seth Lugo was accusing the Dodgers of stealing signs from second base. All of this is totally defendable because Seth Lugo was not covering up the ball when he was putting it in his glove. So everybody, anybody who was on base from second base, even the third base coach, Dino, anybody on the field, I think, could have seen the grip that he was using. And this is what baseball players are supposed to do. They're supposed to analyze this so they can figure out what pitch is coming. So the fact that Seth Lugo did that but Don Mattingly has said this before when he was with the Marlins of Miami, when the, when the Dodgers won game uh, one weekend, when they just, w- just completely just uh, destroyed. Damn it, babyface, I'm forgetting his name. Who's the Marlins ace who stole Julio's uh, 
uh, Cy Young, according to you guys? Do you remember? Now I'm drawing, his... now I'm drawing a blank, too. Oh, my um, gosh. I'm, I'm drawing it. Well, anyways, Mattingly, the Dodgers had basically just destroyed the ace of the Marlins. And Mattingly had said, well, they knew what was coming. Those guys are good. So I want to give credit to the Dodgers. The Dodgers do a good job of scouting other teams and figuring things out. So Alcantara, Juan. There you Sandy go, Sandy Alcantara. Alcantara. Yeah. There you go, Sandy Alcantara. Thank you. The Dodgers, they deserve credit for that. This, this is why they're as good as they are, is they study these guys and they're able to figure these things out. So you got to give them credit for that. So the I, this is my bad. I should have known that when they have Dick Mountain and Seth Lugo pitching the last two games of the series, the Dodgers had a, at least a very good chance of just breaking <laughs> even there. Uh, Reyna, what did you think of Seth Lugo uh, throwing uh, shade at, at the Dodgers in terms of the, the stealing of the signs? I mean, if he's going to be frustrated, he should probably look more towards his own team. They've they've had some challenges. They've also thrown some shade our way, done some unsportsmanlike stuff to us throughout the season. So, I don't know, just look inward before you start, I don't know, saying stuff about other teams, especially if they were stealing signs from second base. Totally legit. It's part of the game. Uh, Boatman, uh, what would you say to Mr. Lugo, who was leaving pitches right over the plate? And I mean, these are major league hitters. They're they're going to hit that stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm getting on my feet here that uh, Noah Syndergaard just announced he's changing his name to Dick Mountain. You know, <laughs> back to that game though. What I will say is this: um, it's a great name. Yeah, yeah. Now, was he up? Was he the one that threw the the grand slam? Uh, yeah. The bets at the grand. Okay, folks. Look, this is a simple, uh, you know, junior high baseball. You're, you're down on the count as a pitcher, three and zero. Oh, you put it right down the middle to a guy named Mookie Betts. What did you expect? I expect even a high school kid to be able to sit on that after someone gave him the green light that that was going to happen. You don't need to steal a sign to know at 3-0 and with the bases loaded, he doesn't have anywhere to go but to put one at least on the corner, but he put it right down the middle. Well, shoot, man. I mean, what did you expect? So, no, that, that doesn't take any – you're not stealing signs or anything like that. The other thing, too, the Dodgers have – What's made the difference this year and why I'm, I'm beginning to think that this team could end up doing something special is they're loaded with veteran hitters this year. They're, they're, when you get past the, the fifth, you know, the fourth or fifth batter, they're maybe not the sexiest names you're going to get out there in baseball or so, right? Once you get past Mookie Betts and, and uh, Big Mountain could be a sexy name. But anyway, but you get, you get past down that lineup, but guys like Peralta, Guys like that who are who are just they're veteran hitters. They're tough outs. Every single one are, are tough outs. Um, it's the first time I've seen a ball club that can the Dodger ball club made up like this. And let's call it what it is. When you got Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts at the top, I mean a one-two punch that's been incredible. They've they've they're worth. They've played every penny that they're worth this year and then some. Uh, they're hard outs. This team is is tough to get out. That's why they're. Um, I believe they're second in the league, right? In, in home runs in baseball, if I get that correct, I think it's the Dodgers. And so it's, it's, they're not sitting on, they're not reading pitches. They're, they're just smart hitters. That's what I'm trying to say. They're smart hitters and, and they're going to be tough outs. They're going to strike out once in a while. I mean, if you're, if you're Muncie, you're going to be striking out a lot, but even a guy like him, you know, he's got a lot of power and he comes through. Uh, no, they're, they're not, they're, they're just smart. It's a smart veteran lineup uh, mixed with a couple of young guys 
that that uh, you know, I think it's going to give them some trouble in the postseason. Other teams some trouble. Uh, Babyface, you were there on Monday. I mean, you saw it. I mean, he went through their lineup in the first three innings. You know, I think he was nine up, nine down. So all of a sudden, it's that fourth inning where things completely change. But now it was those guys were looking at him for the second time in the lineup. What did you see on Monday? What did you hear? Yeah, I mean, I think... I think what what it is too is is after he was he was questioned right you know oh did they know what was coming he's like yes yeah. like he starts putting out out there that c word that c word right cheating right like like and people hear cheating cheating right but they don't understand that this cheating is a part of the game right when a guy picks up signs they're not using any technology they're just using the human eye they're picking up signs that's right they're this, picking this up this is not cheating though. But that's 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 what I think he tried to put out there, like, and and yeah. and I've seen it where people are saying like, "Oh, Dodgers are cheating, Dodgers are cheating," blah blah blah, right? Right, right, right? Trying to give them that that rep when they're not cheating, right? I mean, it's it, it's it's a part of the game, and like, if you're a major league pitcher and you don't know how to change your signs for one, if they're picking up the signs or where he's showing them the grip, I mean, that's on you. And Absolutely. and I think and I and and I think you know the Dodgers came out that fourth inning; they were down. The previous inning, they, they gave up five runs, right? So they come back, they're down five, and they got to start chipping away, right? Yeah. So they start, you know, I think Peralta, the first guy, gets a single, and then and then they just start getting a couple hits, and then there was a couple doubles. Next thing you knew, it was 5-3, right? And then 5-4, and then Mookie hits that grand slam, and then they just they just took off from there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, like Dave Roberts said, I think it's just an excuse. You know, he, he had a bad inning right there, and I don't know, and I've heard a lot of people were, a lot of Padre fans were complaining like they should have took him out before he even faced Mookie. You know, manager bad decision there too as well. I mean, but I think you know he had a bad game and he's looking for some way to kind to kind of not have everything fall on him. Like, oh yeah, you were really bad that game and trying to just pass the buck along. Well, I mean, look, the Dodgers did not face um, Joe Musgrove. They did not face Michael Walker who's been having a really good season for the show pods. Uh, but it, it's just, if I was a show pods fan, I, I I understand why Borna is as frustrated as he is with that team, because there just seems to be way too much talent on that team. And for them to, you know, you felt, I, I, that's what I wanted to ask you, uh, Bowman, you were there. I know I saw a lot of Dodger fans down in San Diego, but I mean that kind of energy, I, I thought was very palpable, and the Showpods fans, I thought, brought it, or was that just Dodger fans down there bringing it? You know, I thought the Padre fans were a little tamed on Sunday, um, and the series was one-one on Sunday, right? So they they the series yeah. could have still been theirs, um, and it didn't it didn't have that same energy as it's had in the past, a recent past, anyways, from the Padres. I think they, I mean, when you're ten games out of I think at that day there were 10 games out. Yeah. Then, you know, there's not a lot to be cocky about. So that's probably what tames the fans right now in San Diego. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're, they're going to get excited uh, when their big guns do stuff. But yeah, I thought it was a tamed environment, you know, and, and just like always it's, 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 what, 50% Dodger fans there, right? And so it, it felt very comfortable. I should not feel comfortable as a Dodger <laughs> fan. Think about that, right? You, we should not feel comfortable sitting in an opposing team's ballpark. Um, but we do in San Diego, you know, and so that says everything you need to uh, need to know about, about Padre land. And unfortunately, I don't think they'll ever be able to shake it off. 
one real quick one thing i don't know if if i just missed it or it really wasn't there like previous series we've always talked about the crowd like re- being really into it right they're just roaring to go but the players are like really into it i didn't see that that much from the padres this this time around and either maybe because they didn't have that the opportunity to get like that or but i didn't see them like really like just being really into it and you know super excited about anything they did i didn't see it this series i don't know like i said i don't know if it was just maybe they they're feeling where they're at and they kind of like knew maybe it's not really worth it to do it i mean i don't know but i i felt that they were a little different this series they were also yeah. getting yeah. beaten by like really like we <laughs> scored a lot of runs it wasn't like it was it might have been close for an inning or two but i mean you add up all the runs and we we definitely came out ahead. So you you would hear those beat LA chants here and there when they were ahead, but then it would get really quiet, at least from the TV when when the Dodgers turned the game around. Uh, Babyface, I think you're right. I think the only time we saw it was in the eighth inning on Saturday. Uh, that eighth inning on Saturday, they were feeling themselves, and that was the show pods team that you saw in the playoffs last year. That was the team that yeah. I mean they they fed off of it. Um, I just, I mean, if Melvin is going to be the scapegoat for the, the, the show pods, it is one of those things where I think they're a really good comparison to the Dodgers because the Dodgers lost Trey Turner. They lost Justin Turner and they replaced those guys where, as the boatman was saying with like character guys that are just good baseball players and guys that. I, you know, know your role, right? It's just like those guys go in there and to do it. So maybe that's, and I know, I think you've been saying this all along, baby face is that when you have a team full of superstars, you still need those, those glue guys. You need those guys that are going to do the the dirty work. Um, Reina, um, did you get a vibe that maybe the, the, the San Diego fan is just, defeated because i know if you read any of borna's tweets it's like and after the first inning it's over we can't beat this team we'll never be able to beat this team i mean i have my feelings on on the loyalty i think they're a a younger fan base anyway so um i just trying to think of my <laughs> just go <laughs> let it go take on let this. it go don't censor yourself <laughs> um i just it's interesting to see that yes you're gonna cheer for your team when good things happen but like when you're at dodger stadium the energy's there the whole game even when you might be slumping a little in the game you've got the fans that are starting chants like to try to get the energy back going at least in this series i only heard chants when they were up and that was it. And then the stadium was quiet unless you heard the Dodgers fans. So it's just, it's an interesting dynamic to see how fans interact, even in their own stadium, where Dodger Stadium, it's never quiet there. Look, also, this is me, uh, this is me Juan, bringing up old shit. Juan, let me tell quick. you after, you go ahead. No, I was going to say, it goes back to what you said a couple weeks ago, the, the rabbit and, 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 and the hair, right? Like, yeah. Or the tortoise and the, and the hair, right? Um, How... The Dodgers, when, when they would score, yeah, they'd celebrate, right? But it's kind of, it's just even keel, right? Like, and throughout that entire series, right? They're not, they're never up too high, never down too low, right? And even after the Monday game, when they asked Mookie, like, is there something a little extra that you guys try to prove a point this weekend? And he's like, he's like, not really. He's like, you can write it and say that if you want. He's like, but not, not really. I mean, but I, I think there is, they may not say it, like I said, 
but I think they're they they get a little bit up for this when they play the Padres, right? They know what happened last year, and I think they they kind of get they kind of get up to it. I mean, they know, and and it, Mookie pointed out too. He's all like, it doesn't really mean anything, right, that they beat them, you know, in season the way they've been beating them, right? Because it all, all matters in what happens in October. But but I think you know they're still trying to show that you know what we're the team that runs the West, right? And and until kind of we say so, it's kind of going to be that way. I think it comes down to what I, oh, sorry. What what I couldn't put my finger on was the, it's the beat LA thing. When they are up, they're not chanting for their team. They're chanting against our team, which is really, I've always found that odd. I mean, other teams do it too. Everybody hates LA, but like your team just did something amazing and you're kind of still cheering for us. Like we're still living rent free in your head. And so that's something that I just, I don't understand either. Like when you're up, cheer your guys on, like pump those guys up. That's what we do. And I mean, it seems to be working. Well, that's to me what was the most frustrating thing in uh, about this weekend, and that is how the hell did they lose to this team last year in the playoffs? How did they get a gentleman's sweep? Like, you see this, and you're just like, how the hell did they lose? And that that's what's so frustrating to me. Um, I, I want to segue real quick uh, because there there's some updates that I want to get your guys' uh, opinions on this. First of all, so the Dodgers signed this 19-year-old Korean that on social media, people were losing their mind going, oh, because, again, the Dodgers made this move where they just basically traded these two people to the, to the, to the Medias Blancas, and they did it just so they could get an international trade slot. Next thing they know, they get this 19-year-old kid. Uh, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Join the game with me. Huyun Suk Chang. I totally butchered that. Huyang Sung Cheng. Okay. Huyang Sung Cheng. I'm just going to keep saying it. Huyang Sung Cheng, who's supposed to be, even though nobody's seen him out here, he's supposed to be this great stud. And I already saw it over social media. We're going to have Otani. We're going to have this guy in the rotation. And, uh, you know, she and Bobby Miller. And I even saw someone put in (laughs) Dustin May in there. And I was like, bro. You got to let go of that Dustin May dream. Unfortunately, that that poor guy is just has one of the, the is just cursed. But when you guys hear signings about nineteen year old kids who haven't played one day in the major leagues, Boatman, are you excited about Hugh Yun Suk Chang? <laughs> when you say it like that, I am one. Um, <laughs> I don't have a good comeback. I do, but I'm going to leave it alone. Um, no, look, the the thing is here. I'm excited about the kid. Although I will, I, I heard someone say today, "Oh, it's a, he's going to be great in three to four years." Look, I have a problem with that, but that's a larger discussion <laughs> about baseball. They love to have these guys stuck in the minors forever. In right. soccer, I mean, out of the womb, if they can play, they're going to be out there at 18, 17, 19, and I, you know what? I mean, I have my theories behind that, but they love to let them sit there. And, and, and cook and baste and, and all that stuff until they're ready to go at 24, 25 years old. Uh, and not have to pay good, them real money. Right, exactly. So, yeah, we're not going to see him this year, although you could make an argument he can be any worse than some of the pitchers we got on our own roster. I really don't think so. Um, and so could, could, he, could he have an effect? Absolutely. And I think he probably would be better than half the ones that we got already, at least for a quick minute until they figure him out. But the politics aside and all that won't allow a player like that to come up because they got to pay their dues and all those, all that neat stuff. Um, but who knows? He might be ready in a year. He could impress, you know, Kershaw came up at a very young age. Of course he's Clayton Kershaw and not everyone's a Clayton Kershaw, but I'd like to see more of that. Um, you know, instead of waiting till they're 23 or 24. 
Uh, Reina, how excited are you? Uh, can you say it with me? The name or how excited? Yeah, I am. the name. I want you to hear. I want to hear you say it. Hyun Seok Jing. There we go. How Very excited good. are you about that? I mean, it's a. I mean, it's a signing. It might be a couple years before we see him. It's great if he develops, but it, I mean, unless he's going to start next year, I'm. You know, <laughs> yay. <laughs> I, I, if we get him, that's great. I'm still not really on the Otani train, so we're still going to need to bolster pitching next year, and that's kind of where my focus is. Boatman, you you have to know that La, La Reina is does not subscribe to the Shohei Otani show. She doesn't oh. want to watch that show. She she's not a fan of that show. I am ready to co-host it with Juan. <laughs> I am all about the boat. Get on the boat. I get on you. the boat. Oh, that's a new segment. That's, that's another segment. segment. You know, oh, <laughs> Ro- look at Roger. He's getting ideas. Like, okay, get on the boat. That's a good one. So, <laughs> but I'm going to need uh, like a choo-choo thing too, like a tugboat. Anyways, whatever. You know, we'll talk oh, about that. Yeah, yeah. But you, uh, we'll battle face. afterwards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Baby face, are you just worried that we're no longer going to have room in the press box when uh, Hugh Yun Suk Chang and with Otani? Uh, there's just we are going to no longer be invited to cover games for the Dodgers. We'll be invited, but I think we'll be outside the stadium, like trying to, you know, <laughs> Go to buy a ticket. Pull, pulling up our phone and kind of seeing what's going on. And I think yeah, I'll be parachuting we'll, in. So yeah, but if oh, you're asking me, oh, if you're asking me, I'm I'm gonna pump the brakes. Like like I was telling you earlier, like the 19 year old kid out of Korea. I mean, he's projected to be the he was projected to be their number one draft pick in the KBO. Okay, great, but out of Korea, like. Who who is the best Korean pitcher that's come out of Korea? Uh, Chan Ho Park. Chan Ho Park. Okay, Park. decent decent career. Hunjin Ryu, decent career. Do you think there's better Japanese players that came out? Well, that's it. You know, you bring up a very interesting point because I think Shohei Otani's really been the only one that's really made a mark. The other ones, I think, have been serviceable, but for a very short amount of time. I don't think they've had yeah, the longevity yeah, right. except for Ichiro. Ichiro because Ichiro well, is yeah, oh, yeah. There's been like, is, there's been the more man. success. There's been more success from Japanese players than there's been Korean players. So yeah. that's why I'm kind of like, I don't know. I mean, if this guy comes and he's like this great pitcher, awesome, right? But like I said, he's 19 years old. He's gonna go through the minor leagues. It'd be like three, four years until he makes it to the big leagues. I mean, so who knows? I mean, it's just like them drafting a high school kid in in this year's draft. That's you know that's pretty good. But we won't know. And I, you know, and like I said, the competition is different in Korea than it is in Japan than it is in the U.S. So we'll see until until it till he comes over and he's here. And if he lights out, like I said, awesome. But like I said, it, we don't know. We don't know anything about him. And we'll see how he progresses. And and you know, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully, like you know, everybody's excited, and hopefully, he's a guy that can slot right into that Dodgers rotation in a couple years. You know, with Shohei and you know Bobby Miller and those guys, and we'll see. Before you guys add me with this Hinge and Ryu love, I just want you to know, ask Tim Belcher if Chan Ho Park, uh, you know, because I think Chan Ho Park, you know, he really kicked it into a new gear against uh, Tim Belcher. So uh, if anybody gets that <laughs> reference, two shows nightly at the Pacoima Hilton. Uh, anyways, uh, other news. <laughs> Walker Bueller has through to in Arizona today and then Blake Trinan through in Arizona today. So, again, I, this is starting to feel like deja vu to me. This is exactly what happened last year. We already saw it with what happened with Daniel Hudson this year. 
The guy comes back. He has one great start. Oh, th- this is awesome. The bullpen is fixed. Daniel Hudson. And then the next thing you know, we're, we're losing Daniel Hudson. Reina, you're shaking your head. The way these guys are talking about Walker Bueller and Blake Trinan, they are now saying it's a given. It's now no longer a hope. It's a given that these guys are going to make their season debuts in September. Why are you shaking your head? Are you concerned? Yeah, uh, Doc said today that the outlook was good for for Bueller to be on track for September. But we already we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I I think it's it's concerning that you'd be able to ramp up Walker to that to that level in September when we're going to be you know going head to head with the last of the teams, either you know trying to knock people out of the wild card running or whatever. We did that with Blake Trinan last year. He came back for what one two games, and then he was back out, and he's been out all of this year up to this point. I don't think it's worth it. You want to ramp them up, throw them in a couple times, maybe from the bullpen. Sure. But even then, if it's high leverage and it stresses them out, do we lose them again for next year? And I just, I don't think it's worth it. Here's my thing. It's because it's going to become a numbers game now. Boatman, if Bueller comes back and Trinan, Trinan comes back, who's going to be the odd man out right now? Who are you sending down to make room for those guys? Yeah, that's a tough call. Um, I, I, I agree with a- Amy. I think at best, especially Bueller, I'm going to focus on Bueller for a sec. I think at best, he's a reliever. You know, he's going to help you eat some innings, maybe a long relief, um, especially in the postseason. If you got to get a guy out, a starter who only went maybe four innings or so, which is very common now in the postseason, then maybe Bueller. How dare you talk about Tony Gonsolin, sir? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think, well, you answered my question. I think it is Tony Gonsolin, you know, that, that ends up, I, I mean, that's not going to happen. I don't know who's going to be the odd man out on that one. That's a tough call. Um, yeah, that, that's, it's, it's, but someone is going to have to go. I mean, Bueller is going to take, uh, is going to take a spot. We know that. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure who I would, who I would send down, to be honest with you. Um, Roger, or I'll, I'll pass it on to you guys, see what you think. As far as starters, right? So who do we got? We got we got Kershaw coming back, Julio, yeah. Bobby Miller, Gonsolin, and Lance yeah. Lynn. And Lance Lynn. And so, a guy I mean, who you just traded for, Ryan Yarbrough, is, right. or Yarbrough is now going to have to go to the bullpen. So this is what I'm saying. You had guys who carried you throughout this whole season. And this is, I don't envy Dave Roberts at all in this situation. He's, he's going to have to have a real crappy conversation with some of these guys and be like, Hey man, you helped us. But one of the names that I constantly hear as one of the favorite whipping boys now, and especially out of Roberts's mouth saying, you know, we got to start evaluating his performance, even though the guy's been pitching better is Yancey. Yancey had one bad outing. So this is what I'm thinking. Vessia. Vessia has got to be on the chopping block, right? Ferguson. I don't I, I have more faith. I yeah. know you guys are all having a meltdown because of that bad game that he had, but he's been pretty consistent the whole year. I mean, his ERA is under three. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, the problem is this is if you send Ferguson down, that's a lefty. I would send down Vesia before I would send down Ferguson. Right. I agree. And this is just mm-hmm. assuming that Bueller and Trinan can stay healthy because Reina, I agree with you. I think there is that fear. You're going to bring these guys 
and now they're going to go to playoff intensity in like less than, you know, 60 seconds. What is that going to do to their bodies? Um, which I want to get a really quick update, baby face. What's going on with Gonsolin? You had said when you were down there that Roberts had into it, that he's not healthy. It it seemed like it. He, he was talking in his pregame presser, like, there's other issues he mentioned, like with him, but they're not going to get into it. Like, so it seems like something's been nagging him maybe the entire year. But to me, it always goes back to it. Like I've said this many times, it seems like he has one bad inning, right? Like really one bad inning, right? He had one bad inning that game, you know, five runs. And, you know, and after the game, he kind of just blew it off too. He's all like you know, one bad inning, you know, whatever, whatever. But it seems like also too, you know, when you're talking about whipping boys, he might be the guy too that maybe they'll say like, "Hey, you know what? We'll put him on the IL, and then Walker Buehler takes his spot because you know he's the he's the guy that struggled the most. You know, over his last what six or seven starts, he's given up like five or more runs, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe it is Gonsolin. You know, they have to. Maybe they're waiting for Walker Buehler to come back, and now they have you know they can put him you know on the IL for a little bit and kind of see if he can figure things out or get healthy. You know, whatever it is. But you know, I think. As far as starters, I think uh, Walker would would slide in for for Bueller, but Wa- I, mean, I mean Walker would slide in for Gonsolin. But Walker's only going to probably do like uh, as an opener, maybe like two or three innings. That's what I'd see him doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the on the relievers, I mean you got you got Vesia. Vesia I think has to go, and they just brought up Ching Gonzalez too, so I think he'll probably be on the cover. Yeah, that's true. Well. That's true. So I and that again, that's assuming that Trinan can stay healthy, and that's also assuming what's he going to look like, uh, you know, when he comes in here. But it's it's very interesting because all of a sudden, let's say these guys do start playing well. I think you know people were complaining about Friedman's trade deadline. This team could look very very different. Speaking to what the boatman was saying, that hey. This Dodger team might be able to do something special this year. Reina, you so politely raised your hand. The floor uh, is just, yours. Just a quick shout out to Kike Hernandez and all the haters out there. He is currently hitting 317 as a Dodger. So for everybody who was like, oh, his batting average is not great. He has been killing it out there. And he's been moving around the diamond. He's been in the outfield. He's been in the infield. He's played third base, I think, a couple times. So just throwing that out there. That's all. And there you go. The president of the Kike Hernandez fan club just <laughs> chimed in. Welcome to the show. Uh, I want to wrap up because this weekend is something very special that's going to happen. It's special to us here on the show. For you guys who have listened to us for the longest time, you guys all know we all stand for Fernando Valenzuela. And we had been advocating for years for the Dodgers to retire his, his number. And this weekend, it's finally going to happen. They're going to retire his number. And it's going to be a whole weekend of it. It's going to be Friday's going to be the ceremony. They keep saying, get there early, get there early, be in your seats by 6 o'clock. Saturday, they are giving out a bobblehead. And then Sunday, they're giving out their World Series ring. I expect Friday is going to be a little of a, 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 emotional. Uh, but I don't know. You know, this is now 40 years since Fernando mania. Does he resonate with the young kids? Even though I see so many people wearing Fernando Valenzuela jerseys in that stadium, is this weekend going to be just for the veteranos 
Or do you think, Boatman, do you think this is going to resonate with I, I expect it to be an emotional weekend, Boatman. What do you think? And are you going to go to any of the games this weekend, Boatman? I, I can't this weekend, but I, I will say this, though. I think it will resonate. And I see what you're saying. It's a different generation now, and it's, it's, yeah. it's been, we're many years apart. We're decades removed from Fernando Mania. But the Dodgers have done an amazing job, as good as they can, over the last 30-plus years, I guess, of continuing his legacy, reminding fans of who he is, what he's done. I mean, he, he, I think the fact that he's still been employed with the Dodgers this time, so he's a face that's not, oh, wow, there's Fernando. I haven't seen him in a while. It's not right. that, right? It's a figure that we've seen consistently. He threw out the first pitch with Vince Scully at the World Series in 2017. I mean, he, he's been right up there. And, and so there's a lot of um, – he's, he's just he's a legend that I think even younger kids, they – they're hearing it from their older brothers. They're hearing it from their uncles, from their fathers, from their moms, you know, and it's, it's, and I know it sounds very cliche, but it just, it's very true. I mean, I, my, my mother-in-law probably once or twice a year, every year, um, you know, and, and she says, you know, I, I haven't been to a game since Fernando pitched and she'll talk about Fernando, you know, and she'll ask about how the Dodgers are doing right now. And then she'll tell a story about when Fernando pitched. <laughs> and that's just the honest to God truth. I'm not making that up. And so, you hear that growing up and uh, he deserves it. It's long overdue. He means a lot to the city. And uh, what else can you say? I, you know, I've always thought the Dodgers actually should be doing a better job of honoring their players. Um, I'd love to see more statues. I'd love to see more jerseys and things like that, but we're seeing it now as of late. And I commend them for doing that. I think it was long overdue where you see other cities and other towns do that. I mean, when you've got Steve Garvey's name hanging up in Petco park, yeah, I mean, when they because I think San Diego has like I think like three or four legends or something. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, they, they have some great ones, but outside of Trevor Hoffman and, and Tony Gwynn and some of the other ones, you know, but and you can go on and on. Anyways, I can go on about that. I'm just really excited, really happy for the culture, for us, for the city, for him. He represents so much and, and it's 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 exciting. It'll be exciting. Uh, Reina, I know we're going to have more. We're going to probably talk about this in our next episode, our reaction of being there. But Reina, are, how many games are you going to be there all weekend? Yep, I'll be there all weekend uh, in my seats, Friday, Saturday, and then I'll be in the press box on Sunday. Uh, do you think it's going to be emotional or is it oh, just yeah. going to be one of those? I mean, I think, I think, like you were saying, the generational part, it's probably going to be more emotional for the people who remember or were alive back then or had a tie to like your father who, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, the yeah. younger kids, it may not be as emotional. It may be more of a celebration of like, wow, that's really cool. We're, we're celebrating this, this historical figure. So, but I think either way, I think you can, you can be emotional. It can, I'm probably going to cry. I'm going to bring tissue, but I'm also going to be really happy for him. So I think, I think it'll be both. Baby face. Are you bringing tissue? I'll have my handkerchief with me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we discussed this when um, when we had Fernando on the show. I've seen every year, like, you'll see Fernando go to spring training, and you'll see young kids go up to him, like, young kids that obviously weren't alive 40 years ago, right? And they still go up to him, right? And I think it's because their their parents, their uncles, their grandparents, whoever it is, right? They taught them, like, hey, this is Fernando Valenzuela. This is what he did. This is what he means to the city. And I think that's why, like, he's one of those guys that I think transcends all that time. Like, people still, like I said, young kids, you know, 10 years old, 
they see Fernando Valenzuela and they know who he is. And I think there's not many older that older generation like that gets kind of lost. But like with Fernando, I think it's still there and it's going to continue. And especially now that 34 is going to be hanging up there, right? You look up and you see 34, right? And you'll be like, who was 34, right? Right. It opens the door to, hey, you, you want to know who 34 was? I'll tell you, this is who 34 was. He's like Vin Scully. He's like a family member. Like he, to some people, he like whether Vin Scully was on on the radio in your house or on the TV, Fernando. He's like he's he's a household name, and especially like the Latino culture. Like he was a household name, so he is more like family to some people. I I ain't gonna lie. I I'm fully expecting to be bawling. I mean, I I was bawling when Vin Scully was giving his speech at the end of his last broadcast at Dodger Stadium when he addressed. I was the crowd. there too. Yeah. yeah, I I fully expect to when that 34 goes when they unveil it, I know I'm going to ball, and it's because of the fact, and this has stuck with me so much when the Dodgers won the World Series in 20 in 2020, and you saw the videos of fans reacting to the Dodgers finally winning the World Series. There's one video in particular that sticks with me, and it was this guy was holding a jacket. Uh, it was an old, like, it looked like an old 80s puffy starters jacket, if you guys know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that it probably, I don't know if it was a father or a grandfather, it was some article of clothing from someone I think that was very special to him. And the Dodgers win, and he just immediately hits the full floor crying and that to me is dodger baseball it's not the actual sport of playing baseball to me it dodger baseball represents the family in the sense that we all get together as family and we watch the game and the reason why i'm a dodger fan is because of this man because I sat there watching the games with my dad and my grandfather. And the reason why they watched this guy was, hey, there's a Mexican out there. There's one of us. There's one of us. And we're gonna, we got to support him. And we're going to be Dodger fans. And this is an organization that broke the color barrier with Jackie Robinson. This is an organization that brought you Fernando Valenzuela. That, to me, is what the Dodgers are. You know, they are people that speak to what Los Angeles is. And that's why it's going to be a very emotional moment for me. And just as I timed this perfectly, just as I finished the speech, the Dodgers just swept the Diamondbacks of Arizona, the Serpientes. And uh, wow. Uh, So nobody won. This is a perfect segue to our picks. Nobody won our picks last week. Because the Doyers ended up going five and one. The person who came closest was Simeon. Simeon. <laughs> Simeon, who, you know, was immediately came out with six and oh. The Dodgers are going six and oh. That, you know, they let you down, Simeon. You were so close. Uh, so let's segue into our picks. Uh, the lead, the listeners, our viewers are still in the lead. They have a one game lead over me, they have a two game lead over Babyface. La Reina got on the board, so she's got she's trailing. She's got some catching up to do. But uh, the next series of picks, they got four against the Rockies of Colorado, and then they got three against the Cerveceros, right, Reina? Uh, the Brewers are in town uh, next yep. week. Uh, yep. So, uh, Boatman, we haven't heard from you lately, so uh, we're going to go with you for, with the picks first. 
in that series, I think you're going to see, I'm going to say they're going to take two out of three from Milwaukee. And I'm going to say that I think they're going to split against Colorado. So oh, I'm going to, okay. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't know why I get this. So that would be uh, four, four and, and three, four and three. All right. Uh, let's I'm go wrong. to the ladies yeah. line. Uh, Reina, what, what, what do you got? Um, I think they're going to take three away from Colorado and then two from Milwaukee. So I'm going to go five and two. All right. Um, I think the Dodgers, something is happening with this team. And there is no way they are not winning three out of four in Fernando weekend. Uh, they just, uh, there's no way it's, it's, and then uh, I don't know. I mean, these trade acquisitions, but you know, Miguel Rojas joined us earlier and he, he told us, I mean, this team genuinely like, they like each other. They like playing for each other. Yeah. And I think this is all what you guys are saying that maybe this is what's missing from other teams is that these guys sit there and play for each other. So I think there is an energy on this team that I that they're going to go on a run if they're not already in the middle of a run. And uh, so I have them going five and two as well. Babyface. Trust yourself, babyface. Okay, so I'm going to go. I mean, the Rockies are horrible, right? What, what are they, like 20 games back or something like that? I, I don't know. Uh-huh. They got eliminated on opening day. I stopped paying yeah. attention. So they're going to sweep the Rockies, and then they'll take two of three from the Brewers. So they're going six and one. Six and one, coming in strong, baby face. All right. And so, and so, Do- so Dodgers won, right? Yes. So remember the D-backs? Weren't they tied at All-Star break? They're like 10 games back now, too, or 11 games back right now. The D-backs went through something. So go ahead. Take your victory who, who, lap who, again. Who, yeah, who, who said take that your was victory happen, lap. Right. Who said that was going to happen? Somebody I'll give you credit for the D-backs. Right? I'll give you credit for that one. I still. And, and, and nobody the, knows. And the Padres. Padres are going to lose again to the Mariners. So they, they got so close. They were three games back. Now they're going to be five again in that wild card. And they're just going to continue to drop and drop and drop. Tell me, tell me the truth, babyface. What makes you happier? The fact that the Dodgers won or that the show pods lost? I take join both. Yeah, the two I, are I feel... not mutually exclusive. <laughs> exactly, right? Uh, so there you have it. We want to thank the Boatman for joining us on the show. It's been so long since we've had the Boatman, and I, I love hearing his opinions. He, uh, he always brings it. So thank you very much, Jason. I have one more breaking story that just came. Noah Syndergaard changed his mind. He's going to now go as Suck Chang. <laughs> suck Chang. Emphasis on the suck. So they just changed his name. Oh. You can't decide between that or Dig Mountain. There Thank we, you there for having we me. We're going to bring this next segment. Get on the boat, people. Get on the boat. Um, just don't bring a chair. Uh, and hopefully it doesn't get in. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who have seen that video and know the madness that partook there, we'll get that reference. Dang, two shows nightly at the Pacoima Hilton, people. I'm telling you. Uh, I knew you'd be happy about that that folding chair. Yeah, I, I had to. I mean, and who says that wrestling wouldn't help you in a fight? That's that's all I'm saying. Um, so make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. We're dropping a lot of content on the YouTube channel. You are see those who servidor Juan Ramirez de parte de mis colegas, Jason Parquero, La Reina de Playa Larga, Amy Cuevas, Babyface. Nos vemos para la próxima. This episode of the Bleed Lows podcast has been brought to you by betonline.ag, where the game starts. 
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.